I got good news. I got good, good news. And you know what it is? It's almost football season again. It's almost there. I just looked. I counted it seven whole weeks till the, yeah, it's seven whole weeks till the first NFL game. But like before that, you get like preseason games, which is like pretend football. You get college football gets kicked off. It's exciting. Does anybody love sports the way that I love sports? Anybody love sports? I love sports. love all kinds of sports. Of course, football is the best. But, you know, we get basketball for almost the whole year. Hockey goes on forever. I enjoy that. Uh, we got, listen, the ladies FIFA World Cup is right now. I know you already know that. You already know that because you've probably been watching every single game. But in case you missed it, the United States women's team won in the first, the group round last week. They play again, and you know when they play again, right? Wednesday, 9 p.m. Boom. So we're all staying up till 9 p.m., going to Jim's house to watch the game. Um, so it's been late games because they're in another time zone. But uh, sports is great. Now, here's the thing about sports is a lot of them rise and fall on these, like, celebrity athletes. I mean, you got the LeBron Jameses and you got the, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes and these names that float the sports because they make the big plays. They make the big money. Some of them have the big uh, ego and attitude and whatever. But it's like it makes it fun to watch. But here's the deal. We're not here to glorify or talk about them today. I want to kind of highlight somebody that makes all the games happen and we never think about them or thank them. Of course, the most important players in every game and every sport, the officials. Yes, the referees, the umpires, the line judges. Listen, I know we like to throw shade on those guys because they get on our nerves sometimes, but let's be honest here. Uh, without them, what is the difference between baseball and football? Like someone has to decide, like, this is the size the field has to be. And you have to use this little white ball. You can't throw, like, the rules make the game different from any other game. And, like, they, they play an important role. Now, there's only, we don't give them any praise. We don't thank them ever. By the way, if you play youth sports, like with your kids, your grandkids, thank the officials. Like, they have to be there. But when do we notice them? I think I heard someone say boo a minute ago. When do we notice the officials? When they mess up, we're like, come on, are you blind? You're like, go back to school. Uh, and we call them all kinds of names that we should be ashamed of. The, the, here's the thing, though. Like, it's true. When they mess up, we get upset. And I've got beef with some officials that I've been carrying for many years. And it's therapy. You're supposed to talk about these things. I've been holding on to this since January 11th, 2015. Is the, I've got photographic evidence. Okay, can we just show the picture? Listen, hashtag Des called it, okay? Does anybody know about this? All I'm saying is that's a man that's clearly called a football. Even the Green Bay Packers fan is like, player is like, he's, he's about to score a touchdown. They called that not a catch. It was out of control. It was like a playoff game. We were going to the Super Bowl. This was the year, and we've been rebuilding every since. 2015, I know I should let it go. Someone needs to do a sermon on forgiveness. But anyway, here's the deal. According to the rules... I guess it wasn't a catch. They literally changed the rules after this catch, and now it would have been a catch. But judging things is difficult, but it's a part of life. And the reason I bring up officials this morning is we're talking about judging and judgment because it's a part of our everyday life. It's how our culture kind of functions. I mean, we have laws, and we're a nation governed by laws, but who decides if you're following the laws? Yes, there's police officers and stuff, but it's up to judges to, like, interpret 
the law and decide, you know, for sure whether you did it or not. It's so much that in our popular culture, some of the most popular uh, TV shows on TV for decades now have been judging shows, shows like The Voice and America's Got Talent. How do you decide between, I saw some guys like uh, on America's Got Talent, like a clip on Facebook or something, these two guys, really heavy set guys with no shirt on, and they could like get their belly buttons close together and be like, and make like a kissing noise like that's a competitor versus like a professional singer and it's up to Simon and all the gang to be like let's decide who can win between judgment is American Idol all these different shows we make it's in small things every day we judge you guys made judgment today like it or hate it you made a decision on what clothes you're going to wear today and your judgment might have been based on what's fashionable what makes me feel good it might have been it's on top of the pile and it still smells okay like but you made a judgment call i make a judgment call every time i come into this building uh some of you notice that it's, it can be chilly in this room right it can be cold now if you were here at 7 30 and unloading and getting all hot some of us are in like i mean i'm in shorts and short sleeve shirt because it's like so hot and then it's cold i bring a jacket for the first like minute and a half that I'm in this building. And then a lot of times my wife steals it for the service. Like that's because it's a judgment call. Like, is it going to be cold? You look at the weather. So you get it. Judgment's a big part of our life. And we're talking about judgment today. Judgment is a big word in the church world. Like our final judgment and words like heaven and hell and sitting before the creator. And though that's not exactly what we're talking about today, certainly almost everything ties into that. A bigger judgment that Jesus was concerned about as we talk today is how we judge one another. And so we're going to continue in a teaching series we've been in all summer called Salt and Light. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. We are in Matthew chapter 7 this week. We started in chapter 5. We've been creeping through 5 and 6. Now we're in chapter 7. The Sermon on the Mount is this kind of opus collection of Jesus' sermons, whether he taught them all in one setting or whether it's kind of he broke them up over different settings and, and Matthew wrote them all down. The point is, like, as you look through this whole collection of teachings through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it is a good picture of of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And in the very first couple of verses, he talks about this concept of salt and light. Because anytime salt comes into a scenario, or anytime light comes into a scenario, it changes the scenario. And, and all these different weeks have been talking about what does it mean to be salt and light in this world. If you need a Bible today, we've got free ones we give away back by the door. Uh, there's a gray shelf over there. Please go grab one. You can keep it for the rest of your life or just use it today if you want to. We also have uh, the online Bible you can use. Just get on the internet and find it or it'll be on the screen behind me. But in the book of Matthew, this is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life and teachings. And when we get into Matthew chapter 7, he just comes right out the gate talking about judging and let's just jump in. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Let's stop there. Quick pause. You can just leave it on the screen. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. This might be one of the misquoted and misunderstood, uh, most misquoted and misunderstood verses in the Bible. Uh, very often, you might have heard this phrase, You can't judge me. You're not supposed to judge me. I've heard this phrase a lot of times. It's a sin to judge people. I saw a guy once who had a tattoo that says, only God can judge me. And like, the, the, this verse would indicate that that's true. Do not judge or else you too will be judged. However, this is a skill we need to always learn in all of life and even especially in scripture is that when we read the Bible, we can't just take one verse. Can we put my mic down just a little bit? I'm getting a little feedback up here. 
We can't just take one verse out of the Bible and like extract it and then base our entire teaching around one verse. No, this comes in the context of a greater teaching and also comes in the context of all of the Bible. So we have to look at all of it. Is Jesus really saying, do not judge ever? Never look at anyone and never make a judgment call. Let's find out. If you keep reading in verse 2, it says, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's talk about the word judge for just a second. What does it mean? I looked up judgment and judge and all, and there's lots of different understandings of it. So there's kind of like a, either a cause and effect or maybe a spectrum of judgment that I want to kind of lay before you. I think you'll agree with this. It's pretty like intuitive, pretty obvious. On one end of maybe the spectrum or maybe just the causal part is the concept that to judge means to analyze or evaluate, Right? So, like, I mean, we do this all the time. And, and so is Jesus telling you, do not analyze or evaluate people? I don't think that he's telling us that. I mean, this is a very important part of life. Like, judging someone. Some people are dangerous. You shouldn't, you know, get into creepy white vans with them, even if they offer you candy. Like, that, you should be able to make a judgment there. Don't think Jesus is saying don't judge people. My wife and I had to spend a lot of time with each other and dating. and We had to make judgments on each other before we decided, do I want to marry this person? And these seemed very wise, and, and I would go ahead and tell you, Scripture backs this up. You can judge people by their fruit. You can, there's a lot of things that you can do. So I don't think that Jesus is saying, do not analyze or make evaluation of people. Okay, maybe that's the cause. On the other end of the spectrum, which might even be the effect, is this idea of judgment. Like, judgment means to make a decision, more specifically, like, to condemn or reward or punish. For example, did Des catch the ball? The judges said... He did not catch it. The result was it was not a first down and almost a touchdown and almost we went to the Super Bowl. It wasn't that. And so that was the judgment. That was the, uh, and you could even look at it almost as a punishment. Like scripture teaches parents, you should discipline your children. You should make judgment on their behavior and their lifestyle and then you should therefore act accordingly. So is Jesus telling you, do not make judgment that lead to any type of, uh, you know, punitive action or otherwise I don't think so. The Bible gives the government authority to punish. It tells parents to do this. It tells the church to govern one another. Like, so, okay, so, may, but right there it is. Do not judge or you too will be judged. So there's a lot of judgment. It's totally encouraged by God. Then what does judgment mean? Well, this is where it's really important to continue reading and to see what more is being said. So we're just going to keep going. Verse 3. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? I think Jesus is using a little bit of sense of humor here. Like, I don't know if you thought Jesus was funny. I think he is. A lot of the times he does some kind of conversation that borderlines on sarcasm. And so he says, no, no, no. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus is teaching this, and at this point, I mean, I think he's just trying to say, listen, I want you to see how ridiculous this is. The word that he uses for plank there can also be translated like roofing beam, okay? He's not... He wants to be as ridiculous as possible. You got a speck in your eye, and I got this roofing beam sticking out of my head. And can you just picture this, like, slapstick, uh, you know, Three Stooges comedy when I'm coming over to help you out, and I'm like, 
whack, whack, bam, spam, just kicking you in the head with this beam in my eye everywhere I look. And Jesus is like, obviously that's dumb. Don't do that. Notice when you remove the plank from your eye, what are you asked to do? Then you can see clearly to help the other person out. So it's okay. It's okay to come in someone else's life and offer them some assistance and maybe some advice and maybe some judgment. But there's a heart that has to happen here. You fly in an airplane and you have the, uh, the, 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 the people stand in the front and they instruct you on how to use seatbelts and to locate the exits. But do you remember the thing they say about the oxygen thing, if you've ever flown? It's like in the event that the oxygen thing comes down, get your oxygen on first and then you can help other people. And it's the same principle here. You can't help anybody if you're dying yourself. And so Jesus says, don't judge, or you too will be judged in the same way that you judge other people. That's how you're going to be judged. I think this probably applies on an earthly level, like in our own relationships. If you act like a hypocrite, people are going to be hypocritical to you. And then perhaps even from God's judgment. Oh, you want me to, you want me to help you out? Okay. Well, you've still got this plank in your eye. And he gives us that amazing imagery. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. I think he's talking about judgment that's just about pointing out other people's faults and nothing else. And so I wanted to give some practical examples of this because I think we get it. Like this isn't, you know, rocket science. I think we all understand this idea. But I think there's some specific ways we do this probably every day in our culture. And maybe you just need to hear one of these today. Uh, I think there are maybe, I tried to think of as many as I could. I thought of four. Four ways that... Uh, how not to judge, <laughs> how we should not do this, how not to judge. And the, and the first way I can think of is maybe something I might call superficial judgment. We got a little saying. We say, don't judge the book by its what? Cover. Don't judge the book by its cover. That's superficial. So, and that's when you walk in and you just look at someone. I just look at you, the way that you're dressed, the shoes that you have on. Maybe they've got a lot of tattoos and piercing. Or maybe they're super uh, fancy dressed and real preppy or whatever. And like, you immediately make a judgment, not just on their outfit or their hair or their shoes, but you make a judgment that's like soul deep immediately. And we apply this to entire people groups. Well, you can't trust people like that. You know? And Jesus is like, uh-uh. Get the plank out of your eye. Well, who do you think you are? You know, some people might look at people that dress like you and not trust them. Okay, and so that's one way. A second way not to judge is uh, hypocritical judgment. Hypocritical judgment. This, we got another saying for this. That's the pot calling the kettle black. There, one person was in the 1800s, was alive. Um, that's the pot calling the kettle black. Um, and so this is old school, like when your stove was fire and there was maybe soot on the outside of your you know pots and pans and so you got this kettle and it's been sitting on the fire and it's all sooty and you got a pot that's been sitting on the fire and it's all sooty and the pot's like hey kettle if I was you I'd uh like polish up a little bit it's like bro you dirty <laughs> you know like and that's the hypocritical judgment that's almost the literal thing of the plank in your eye it's you got the same problem I got don't be telling me about my problems you got problems okay We'll get to how to do it right, but that's not the right way to just come in. The third way, this is, you know, um, unfair. I would call it harsh, unforgiving judgment. And so we don't have a fancy phrase for this. If you can think of a fancy phrase for this, tell me. I'd love to write it down. Uh, but this is the idea that I see you doing something that I think is wrong or might even hurt you. Okay, granted, I might be right. 
I might be right that the thing you're doing needs correction, okay? But the way I handle it is I'm an absolute jerk to you. I berate you, I cut you down, I belittle you, I make you feel small. And, and the communication that's happening here is that I don't really care about you, I just want to make sure you know that I think you're wrong. This is a harsh and unforgiving judgment. And I think this is more of what Jesus is talking about. Don't judge this way. The last way is what I would call untrue judgment. We live in a world of untrue judgment. I mean, I just listened to a podcast this week about um, our, our willingness to accept. It's called a truth bias is what it's called. It's a psychological thing. We, we are willing to accept at face value anything that most people tell us. Because most of the world presents itself to us as true. That's a chair Based on what I know about chairs, I should be able to sit on it, right? So, like in most of life, we have something called a truth bias, and the idea is we try to, and especially if there's someone that we like or associate with or even trust, if they say it, we will take it as true, and we've got this whole phrase like fake news and all this stuff, and I don't have to get into all that stuff, but you don't even know the whole story, and you will begin to repeat things that are untrue and make judgment. I, the podcast, somebody on the podcast said this phrase that's great, at least I think it's great. She said, it's not so much the tweet that's the problem. It's the retweet. So, if you're not the Twitter type, it's not just that you saw it and that it was untrue. It's the fact that you're willing to repeat it that's a problem. And we've got to go in and find out if things are true. And then, even if it is true, don't be harsh and unforgiving. Be sure that we're not being hypocritical. Be sure that it's not just superficial. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And so this is about the state of our heart. And I don't know about you, but when, like, when the way that you treat me as a human, as a person, I hope that you don't treat me superficially and, and, and uh, hypocritical and harsh and untruly. Like, I hope that you will give me the benefit of the doubt. I hope that you'll get to know me before you make a judgment on who I am. I hope that you'll take some time to hear the whole story. How many sides are there to a story? Three. <laughs> your side, your side, and the truth. <laughs> right? That's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true. So don't repeat it. But the point is this. How would you like to be treated? And Jesus says, listen, people got specks in their eyes, but you need to deal with your stuff as well. In fact, there's something we call the golden rule that actually happens later in this chapter. Jesus said the golden rule. It wasn't just your kindergarten teacher. It wasn't just on the motivational poster with the cat hanging from the thing. You can do it. Whatever the motivational poster. This is Jesus, Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything, do unto others what you would have them to, to you. In fact, I love this. Jesus says, this sums up the laws and the prophets. The law and the prophets. Like, to a first century Jew, the law and the prophets is their whole Old Testament, their whole Bible. They wouldn't call it the Old Testament. They would just call it the Testament. <laughs> this is our Bible. And Jesus says, you want to sum up all of what God wants you to know? Treat other people the way you would want to be treated. He says that in another place. He says that it's all about, you know, uh, loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, loving others as yourself. But that loving others as you would love your neighbor as you love yourself, that, isn't that the golden rule? And so this is, this is huge. I think it's interesting to me because if I was thinking of like a huge bit of like, I don't know, doctrine to teach. And I was like, okay, I want to do like a three-month series, which we're literally doing right now, on all the important things that, that, that Jesus says are important. I wonder if how we judge people would even make my list. It's, it doesn't seem like a big one. 
because I mean, he's, there's some big ones in there: sexual immorality, and like like our, our physical uh, stuff that we manage, and like spiritual disciplines like giving and fasting are in there, managing our anger and our morality. Like that's all the other list. And then near the end of his teaching, Jesus is like, and judging. And I think I have, a, I have, a, I have an opinion why. I think it's because Jesus really understands us. And he understands that we put a lot of stake, not in just what people think about us, but in what we think about other people. And we judge them. So he includes it. So, hey, we're covering it. Okay, before we move on, Jesus adds one little extra phrase in this. I think it might could be handled in its own little teaching. But I really see that there's a reason that it's connected to the judging thing. So let's just read it and see what it says. It's, it's pretty good advice. Verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So we were tracking with Jesus pretty good on the judging people, right? The plank, the speck, that. And then he jumps into this sentence, and you're like, what? To me, at least, it seems very incongruous with the other things that were said. He talks about pigs and dogs. He's talking about pearls. Now you're getting torn to pieces by this pig. What is happening? I think it's actually not as deep or crazy as you think. This is a first century Jewish audience he's talking to. And pigs and dogs were unclean. And they were, they were this is, if you wanted to cut somebody down and you wanted to use a, an ugly euphemism to call someone a bad name, you could call them a pig. And that would be low what did you say to me? Like, I will disown you and fight you in the street for calling me that, okay? So he says, listen, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Maybe you have come into a scenario where someone was genuinely wrong. Maybe you're dealing with the plank in your eye the best you can. Um, you're, You're doing the best you can. You see where they could use some help, some instruction, some guidance, whatever, And you go to help them, and then they essentially spit in your face, right? They don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't value the things that you value. They could care less. It's this idea of having permission to get into someone's life enough to say things to them. And so I think this could be applied on a a couple different levels. Like on one level is this. Like if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you follow Jesus, and someone else is not a believer, they're not a Christian, they don't follow Jesus... You, you can't hold people who don't accept the standards that you live by. You can't hold them by those same standards. You can't go in there and be like, listen, uh, the way that your marriage is going is unholy. Because they'll be like, so, like, who made you God? Um, <laughs> this is how I live my life. Get out of my life. This is actually our whole culture right now. Let people live their life the way they want to live their life. That's the, that's the thing. And Jesus says, listen, not everyone's going to be on the same page as you. Okay, so just let them be on a different page. That doesn't mean we don't try to show them the way of God. That doesn't mean we try to step in, don't try to step in and keep them from the pain or the hurt from brokenness. But Jesus says, listen, when you, when you do that, it's like giving a pig a valuable pearl. And I don't know if you know this, but pigs do not make necklaces or fine jewelry. What is a pig going to do with a pearl? At best, they're going to eat it. <laughs> I mean, like that's the farthest a pig is going to take a pearl. Um, it seems like maybe that's disregarding people who don't try to live like you and believe like you. No, there's plenty of teachings about how you can gently come alongside people and help them know God's uh, way. But what Jesus is saying is like, look, don't spend a whole lot of energy just coming in them with judgment right now. Because they're not there to hear that. There's another step 
first. It's probably relationship. Uh, so that's, like, that's why I said it's kind of like a side, a side point that Jesus makes here, but it, it, it connects. And so it's good teaching. Jesus is showing us that judging is part of life, okay? Everything from what shoes am I going to wear today, did Des catch the football, or, you know, how am I going to interact with my kids, my spouse, my coworkers, to help them do good. We can learn so much about how to judge people by looking at how God judges people in Scripture, Okay, and when you think about judgment, you might be fast-forwarding to the end of, of your time, and when you got to sit before the Creator and, like, answer for your life. But no, rewind. God's been judging people, you know, forever, okay? And this is interesting. God uses all kinds of people, prophets, teachers, leaders, uh, military leaders, kings. He uses all kinds of people to bring a message that's basically this message, Old Testament to today. This is the message. You want to hear the message from God? You are sinning. It is bad, I am angry, and if you continue to live in a way that dishonors me, there will be punishment. I mean, that's like one of the big messages throughout all of time that God gives. But also, it doesn't stop there. It never stops there. But also, I love you, and I want you to turn back to me. The word is repentance. Repentance means to turn back to God, to turn our hearts back to God, to turn our minds back to God. And Jesus, God never comes down with this judgment of fire and brimstone where he's not also saying, look, but stop. Because I want you to come to me. I love you. And so this is the phrase I want you to never miss. God's judgment always comes with an opportunity for grace. God's judgment always comes with an opportunity for grace. It's easy to make a judgment about someone, to call them out, to know that they're doing wrong, and maybe to think that you're right in telling them so. But it's also easy for us to do all that and then withhold the most important part. God loves you, and there's an opportunity for grace. I was talking to a friend who was, is a leader at a church, and, and there was a situation happening with someone in their church. And I mean, God, God honors marriage. And there are things that we should do within the confines of marriage that we should not do outside the confines of marriage. Sexual uh, relationship and, and other things that are just part of being married, right? And there was this person at their church and, um, and they were living with their, their significant other. And the person came to me and said, hey, listen, um, I think we're going to have to kick this person out of our church. Like, have you guys ever had to do that? And I was like, wow, that's, that's a big step. Like, and so I asked a lot of questions. This person was a very new Christian. And also their, uh, their significant other wasn't even a believer. And so I said, well, I mean, how well do you know them? Have you talked to, have you given? And so I asked this question, and it's a question I got from somebody else. I, I can't get any credit for this. I just said, well, what opportunity is there for grace right now? We're so quick to want to be so self-righteous, to just throw stones at people and kick them while they're down, that we forget the plank in our own eye. Yeah, maybe you don't have that particular thing going on in your life. Like, did someone give you a second chance before? Did someone help guide you to a better way before? And if they haven't, I'm sorry, but I hope that you can get it here. What opportunity is there for grace? And when I look at my own life, it reminds me how much grace that I've been given. Like, when I get the opportunity to experience God's forgiveness, what's really cool is I get this opportunity to draw near to Him. 
I use my marriage as an analogy a lot because, well, that's, we've been married a long time and there's a lot of stories. And like, there's been times where me and Lindsay might not be happy with each other or I've done something boneheaded, but when one of us is willing to offer forgiveness, you know what that allows? Reconciliation. We can never find forgiveness or grace. There's never reconciliation. And so when God offers me grace, what I find is not that I feel pushed farther away from God, but instead that I feel pulled closer to God. And I want more of that. And then this is the byproduct, which is beautiful, which is what Jesus is getting at. By doing that, I also have a message I can share with someone else. I can help them draw draw closer to God. No matter your background, no matter your baggage, let me tell you about my God who's got grace. By the way, we're covering this passage from... Matthew chapter 7, and uh, this is the teaching on judging others, and there's a lot more that could be said, and like, I'm in, I'm in an accountability group with a, a couple different groups, where I'm with a group of guys, and we're just honest with each other, we're transparent, and we have permission to speak into each other's lives, call one another out, stuff like that. There is a whole section of teaching we could do on the value of believers, Christians, holding one another accountable. And it's not just like, hey, let me just um, tell you what's happening and that you're wrong. It's this thing that Jesus talks about, helping them get the speck out of their eye. And can I tell you this kind of funny image? I've sat across the table from many dudes who we both have big old planks in our eyes. We're just whacking each other across the heads with it. But we're both, I'm aware of my plank, and I'm aware of your plank, and you're aware of your plank, and you're aware of my plank. Okay, cool. Let's just kind (laughs) of, let's work on that together. Because let's be honest, it ain't always specks. But it's about honesty. It's about transparency. It's about grace. And so we could talk a lot more about like that accountability piece. That's, that's not even in this text, but we could. First, take the plank out of your own eyes so then you can see clearly to help somebody else. Um, what do we do from here? That's the teaching. Like that's Jesus' stuff. I, I, got, I got two kind of closing thoughts. The first one is this. Um, if there were a way um, that we could filter our judgment, it would really be helpful. Every time that you look at someone, you make a judgment. It might just be, I'm going to smile. <laughs> you make me happy, right? Like there's levels of this judgment. What if we could get to a point where we filtered our judgment? I got a filter question for you, but I want to show you a passage. The Apostle Paul was talking about this in Galatians chapter 6. And this is how he kicks off Galatians chapter 6. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently so let me let me give this filter question i had in mind that when i'm making a judgment on someone the question i can ask is is my judgment for restoration or is my judgment for condemnation when someone is caught to be in sin you should come alongside them and restore them gently is my judgment for restoration or is it for condemnation because so often we're trained by our society to just create categories us and them but the more walls we put up by whatever judgment we make the less likely we're going to have an opportunity to share the grace of god with somebody is it for restoration is it for condemnation and so how do we do this well i just have a little visual i want to share with you um i got these two things up here and the first one is something that we do often i've got a magnifying glass uh, we take these magnifying glasses, and I was practicing with it this week to see if I can make my eye look funny. 
You see that? I don't know. Um, my granddad used to have one of these in his, his office desk, and I used to love sitting and playing with it. And uh, he had a couple things in his office. He had these really cool cars, these model cars he built. And we weren't allowed to play with them, but we did. Uh, and the second one, he was a smoker, and, uh, and he searched the mint, you know, with like the little blue core in the middle. And he would, he would like pop these certs all day like, I'm not a smoker. I don't smell like cigarettes. We're like, dude, you totally are a smoker, but I will eat all of the certs you have. And so we would just sit and like, he would buy them by the box. And we were like, you have no idea how many certs you have. So we would eat these mints. And he had a magnifying glass. And I remember like looking at stuff on his desk and just, you know, looking at my fingernails. I just had this memory as a kid doing that. We walk through life so often with a magnifying glass. We're constantly walking up to people and we're like, let me just look at you. And here's what we do. We will highlight the flaws and the wins for anybody. If someone is good, they are the best. They're my superhero best friend. And if someone is bad, they are the worst. And we love to look with a magnifying glass and just highlight those negative things. And we will point to them and we will judge them by that for the rest of their life. And there is no opportunity for them to change. I talk to people that were like, man, so-and-so is a, you know, a loser, jerk, mean person. I'm like, man, when did they do this? Oh, God, it was 25 years ago. I'm like, you think maybe just like you, maybe they grew up in the last 25 years? I'm glad I'm not being judged by stuff I did 25 years ago because none of y'all would like me, I promise you. I hope you like me now. You wouldn't like that guy. And maybe it's not as a magnifying glass. I was thinking about this too. It might be like binoculars because sometimes we'd be looking out our windows <laughs> and just be like, what do you got going on over there? The problem with this is that, this is a quote from George W. Bush. It was after a shooting somewhere, and I, I remember hearing this, and I wrote it down, and I looked back at my notes and found it. This is a, I don't care how you feel about politics. They all say good things at some point. He said this, too often, we judge other groups by their worst examples, and we judge ourselves by our best intentions. Magnifying glass. And we dig around in other people's life, and it leads to judgment, and it leads to gossip, and it leads to a mess, and we are wrong for that. But what Jesus is saying is put down the magnifying glass and pick up a mirror. Because if you're going to pull the plank out of your own eye, you've got to be able to see clearly what you look like. This is a metaphor. Not everything that's going wrong with you can you see. You need to listen back to your conversations and your tone of voice and your attitude. Maybe you need to pay attention to the way that you just passively treat people at work. And it's easier to use a magnifying glass because I don't ever have to address my stuff. <laughs> it's constantly, I can help you, I can help you, I can help you. Plank, 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 and Jesus says, stop. Look in the mirror. And if you want to make some judgment, why don't you start there? And when I can become fully aware, aware of my brokenness and my mishaps and the planks in my own eyes, only then can I go to God and do something about it. As I look in my mirror, and I've shared, I've been very vulnerable from this spot right here. And uh, in the time we have left, I'm not going to go into a lot of stories. So, um, but I will tell you this. When I look in the mirror, what I see is someone who doesn't always have it together, who is full of brokenness sometimes now definitely in my past and I sometimes look at myself and go dude you're a pastor at a church how dare you like what right do you have to sit here and read God's word in front of other people and until you can honestly look yourself in the eye and say that you can't do the second part which is because I have read the Bible and I do know what his word says I know this is what I know the most. I can't fix this by myself. 
And so God so loved the world that he became a human being named Jesus. That anyone who believes in him will not be lost in their forever state of a plank in their eye. But can have it removed by the greatest plank remover there is. And you can get the grace of God in your life to have a fresh start. And yeah, you're still going to have splinters in your fingers and toes and stuff sticking out of your ears. Because you're a mess, okay? You guys are a mess. I'm a mess. We're all a mess. There are no perfect people allowed here. But from that status, we can then sit across the table from each other and say, cool. I'm working on mine. Would you like me to help you work on yours? Because I could use some help with mine. The cool thing is, yeah, you can't do this alone. Jesus comes along and he does the big work for you, the spiritual work. But then he says, well, let me put you in a community of people so you can work on this together. And then you guys, you can, you can work on this city. You can work on the people that you come into contact with your work, with your family. And you can realize, I need help. I need Jesus. And I can offer that to somebody else. You are not the judge. But your role is to lead people to the grace of Jesus. The true judge who can offer true grace and restoration. So let's be salt and light. Let me pray for us today.